0: This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. This is going to be a busy night on The Antidote because I don't think I've ever included so many songs on a playlist, but it's possible when you have a band where some of their songs are only a few seconds long. Our exception was tonight's opening song, political expediency, or it was all just power, wasn't it? With the steps to the power dance included. I mean, that's hysterical, because that song title is longer than many of the band's songs. Their throats are open tombs, are unusual to the extreme. The band's sound is punk, it's grindcore, and it's noise. One thing in common with all their music is that their lyrics always relate to their Christian faith. It was great to have a chance to speak with Chris Davis of Their Throats Are Open Tombs about the band's music, and their new album of Psalms and Snakes. That begins after another new song called Lights, Camera, Action. Chris Davis is with The Antidote for a talk about the music of Their Throats Are Open Tombs. Chris, thanks for coming.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Their Throats Are Open Tombs has the strangest list of band members I've ever heard. Agent 57, Colonel K, Donnie Murdo, Isambard, Sinclair, and Penfold. You guys like being anonymous?
1: Um yeah, I think we do generally like we're quite happy to let the music do the talking. and um, that being said, we're not trying to particularly hide from what we've created either. We just thought it'd be fun to come up with some nicknames uh, and put them out as the band members basically. And where did you get names like that? Uh, they're all derived from a UK cartoon called Danger Mouse um, <laughs> that's it pretty much.
0: Um, yeah. does this mean that you guys are obsessing over your childhood?
1: Uh, uh, I guess that could be argued. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, Danger Mouse is great. If anyone hasn't seen it, YouTube it. It's an amazing show.
0: That I know nothing about, so I'll have to pull that up one day. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm interested to know how and why all of you decided to create Their Throats Are Open Tombs.
1: Um, It started because... uh, uh, Dougal, one of the vocalists, he had an essay that he'd written or, or a collection of writings to do with uh, his musings on the prosperity gospel. And he was looking for some music to go underneath it. And he came upon uh, me and James in our other band called Draw. We're like a two piece kind of, you know, noisy, metal band, a bit like the Chariot kind of thing. And we, um, and we were playing at a festival that Dougal was at. And he was like, You guys are great. He got to know us and really liked our sound and wanted us to put some music underneath. So me and James got together and we decided to try and move it away from what we sounded like as the two-piece with like baritone guitar and drums and kind of add more elements into it. And so just because of schedule conflicts and everything like that, James ended up uh, sending me a load of drum tracks, uh, about like 45 minutes worth of drum tracks. And then it kind of ended up falling to me to... Uh, Cut them up into like songs and put I put some guitar on and put some keyboards on to try and differentiate it from some of the other Stuff that we'd got going on at the time and then do we recruited another couple of guys uh, to do vocals and then Then it just kind of came from there and then by the time we'd written the first song which was um, Repent off the first record kind of found a system of writing songs and then just took it from there really
0: I heard through the grapevine that you guys rarely get together in one place to record.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's all um, contributions sent to me using various means. Uh, We've done vocals over Skype. We've done vocals recorded in a studio sent over to me. Uh, We even took a couple of uh, lots of vocals on the new record over the phone. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. or the phone that's high tech isn't it
1: Oh, absolutely absolutely but it kind of fits the uh, angle and the sort of the sound of the band we were like you know if it's a bit rough and it's a bit dirty it's okay yeah so in actual fact I've, I've never been in the same room as Josh one of the vocalists he lives in uh, Chicago and um, I've not actually physically been in the same room as him ever um, and so yeah everyone emails me their contributions and then um, put them together with me, you know, using my kit uh, in my studio of sorts. But it's a bit glorified to call it a studio, but, you know, yeah. And then I'll put all the songs together, put all the vocal contributions together, and then we have some songs and then just bounce it back and forth between ourselves for like approval and suggestions for changes or anything like that until everyone's happy, basically. Well,
0: you're obviously in the UK and then you've also got band members or member anyway in the States.
1: Yeah, yeah, And uh, Dave, for a while, when we were doing the first record, he was in South Africa as well. So we we were literally on completely different continents.
0: (laughs) I love that. Well, you already brought up about your sound. I guess, you know, if I wanted to try to squeeze it into a box, I guess I'd end up calling it grindcore. But maybe you've got a better way of describing it.
1: I don't, really. I think when we started, we hadn't heard or, or seen any of the initial writings that were going to you know, accompany the music that uh, me and James were tasked with creating. So we just kind of just started off from a, a, a blank canvas. And then because of the situation involving... You know scheduling and getting people together in the same room mainly getting me and james together in the same room to write music it just ended up being stuff that was kind of pieced together and it kind of took on that format because like you know we all like extreme music and james uh, just wanted to do something a bit more extreme than we had been doing in draw so he sent me like stuff where he was blast beating a lot and uh, you know more extreme drumming and so i kind of incorporated it into that and you know just went with the flow Um, We all listened to various different types of music, so I was just trying to just, you know, do what kind of felt natural in the process of writing things and putting things together, and then we decided we we weren't going to try and perform any of this live, so that was kind of another direction that I was able to take with putting the tracks together. And so, yeah, so we've ended up with this kind of, like, huge mishmash. I'd, I'd definitely say grindcore is a legit way of describing what we sound like, but I tried to incorporate more sort of, like, almost, like, house-like uh, keyboard elements and stuff like that and just, you know, try and bring a bit more of the electronic influence in, certainly with the second album. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, grindcore is as good a description as any. I don't really know what you would call us, which <laughs> could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, could be difficult.
0: Well, I've also described it as noise, but some people just don't understand what that actually means.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Certainly, I think the the style we default closest to is probably Grandcore, but, you know, there's loads of other things on top of that as well.
0: Was hope and dystopia coming from their throats are open tombs debut self-titled album a little earlier we heard true faith is tested from the same release next i asked chris about one of the issues that bothers the band i do hear a little bit of that influence from the chariot you mentioned about how that comes through on your other band but you yeah, can also hear that seeping through into their throats are open tombs
1: yeah definitely definitely i mean they're one band that's had a huge influence on, you know, considerable amount of people, and um, particularly if you're approaching things from a from a Christian angle and have been part of that scene as well. And like pretty much everyone that saw them live when they were still going, were floored. You cannot help but sort of absorb some of that influence if you are out in the world making this kind of music. Um, yeah, so they definitely are inbuilt into the you know the kind of DNA of like what I would do in any sort of band that I was in, and applies to throats as well. Um, I think the the other band kind of became a bit like a, a comparison for me when I was writing was Atari Teenage Riot as well. I think that once um, once I started, uh, once that kind of solidified into that kind of like digitally hardcore kind of sound mixed with grindcore, I kind of looked to them for an influence and inspiration as well.
0: The band had its first self-title release back in 2016. That did take me by surprise because... Most artists who share a Christian worldview usually offer up a positive look at their faith. The band did that to a degree, but it also points fingers at problems that it sees in Christianity.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, the the whole ethos of the band was set out initially as music accompanying a critique of the prosperity gospel and musings on that kind of aspect of Christian culture. Yeah, so definitely I think that that is also built into the DNA of the band as well. Um, But we're not so much trying to just, you know, point the finger and just get angry. We're trying to shine a light on things that we see as problematic that we'd like people to maybe think about and consider a bit more. In today's world, it's really easy to just kind of go through the routines, particularly when it comes to uh, the the Christian scene. And before you know it, you can just end up like sleepwalking through. And we just kind of felt that um, there was a few things that we wanted to, you know, make an artistic statement about and draw attention to. Which we, we felt we did on the first record. <laughs> <And on> the, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, because one of the songs on Self Titled is called Sunday School for the 1%. I mean, it's straight from the Bible, it comes from James 1 9 to 11, which speaks about the rich fading away. So that was really where you're trying to do the contrast to the prosperity gospel.
1: Yes, that was, that was one track that obviously came through kind of loud and clear. And, and the format of the track is such that you can't really mishear the vocals. You don't really need to follow lyrics while you're listening to it because, you know, because the way that kind of shook out ended up, uh, you know, musically ended up being um, potentially a bit meditative, but, you know, it, it ended up being, um, being like a very, almost like industrial sort of, when we were sequencing that record, we felt that that really kind of summed up a thing we were trying to just you know shine a light on as i mentioned before just in terms of like you know getting people to kind of think about the place that that kind of thinking has in today's world and how if we're not careful that kind of thinking could you know consume a way someone sees christianity and yeah we just wanted to just sort of go you know there's this thing here have a think about it you know consider what you think uh, yeah uh, we are well
0: you your healthy, unhealthy, healthy love, your hands. At your healthy, and, you wealthy, your and you're your at your healthy, and your and you're healthy and you wealthy, At your and and you're healthy, your At your healthy, unhealthy, your hands. Healthy yeah, a- and you think it's cause you're,
1: you're gone. Healthy popular. and you will be
0: back your hand. Healthy and you will be back your hand. Healthy and you will be Would think that it's really a fairly limited number of Christians that actually follows that prosperity gospel mindset. Do you know people who follow that?
1: I don't personally know. Um, Sometimes I think it's not just necessarily in the Christian scene, it's out there in the world. Like, a lot of people's viewpoints on Christianity may be shaped and formed by the prosperity gospel kind of, you know, way of thinking. So, yeah, we just, yeah, we just thought it was something we wanted to sort of tackle artistically.
0: We live in a material world. So then what do you think Christians should do with their wealth?
1: Um, well, I think uh, there's there's nothing wrong in um, acquiring wealth, you know, certainly from a Christian perspective. I think, from my mind, it's more about um, correctly and responsibly being a good steward of that wealth and what, what you do with it and where you would place it. And just, you know, fundamentally trying to make the world around you a better place, uh, you know, potentially with you with your wealth if that's how you felt so led and you know certainly as far as um christians with with a, a lot of money like you know you see a lot of them set up foundations and various other things like that that's the kind of thing that i i personally like to see i mean just a real good spirit of like generosity and you know i'm not i'm not suggesting that anyone who's wealthy should give everything away and just sleep on the floor all the time or anything like that but i like to see A good, responsible mindset towards how you would steward that money, that wealth, that influence that you've been given uh, for good and for change where it's needed as well. Hi, I'm Chris Davis of Their Throats Are Open Tombs, and you're listening to The Antidote.
0: Wow, a couple of hard-hitting tracks, Sell, Sell, Sell Out, and The Rich Shall Fade Away. Chris and I get into the source of the band's lyrics on the next part of our talk. He already mentioned that the album is really themed around opposition to the prosperity gospel. The band is constantly taking jabs at rich people, but I guess maybe that's an easy thing to do when you're in a band. I mean, if there's a good way of not making money, it's by being in a band. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I guess you hear, again, that theme on the song Rust and Moth that also comes from Scripture. Is the Bible where you pull most of your song ideas?
1: Um, Yes, I would say so, certainly. Um, I've not personally been involved in writing the lyrics for Throats. That's kind of been down to the three vocalists that we have. But certainly the excess stuff that hasn't made it into songs, because sometimes they'll just send me like, you know, a couple of paragraphs of lyrics and I'll just cut them up into, you know, ways of making them fit musically with what's going on on the beat for the sake of describing it like that. It's just a case of just uh, listening to all their different bits of inspiration. And some of that stuff goes sometimes deeper into the context and subject matter of what they're trying to deal with. Like, for um, congratulations, you got half right. There was a lot of um, vocal takes that we, and extra additional vocals that we with, that we ended up cutting out and leaving off that song because we kind of felt that it said everything that it needed to say. So definitely, uh, biblical inspiration is there for sure, and it's also not just biblical inspiration. It's looking at it from uh, you know a slightly different angle and maybe coming at the subject uh, with uh, a different viewpoint of lyrics than perhaps that subject has been looked at before. Um, and the turns of phrases and, and the various things that the, the three vocalists came up with uh, throughout both the albums so far, uh, I think have been really, really thought provoking and interesting as well in terms of how they've um, condensed quite a wide and varied subject into just like a, a nice little slogan or sentence, you know, and kept it quite economical as well.
0: I want to go back into that album again and ask about a song called Congratulations, You Got It Half Right. It talks about interpreting scripture through current-day cultural lens. Isn't that a common thing to do, though?
1: I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that that comes hand-in-hand with um, understanding the context in which it was originally written and the way those words were originally set out to mean as well. And so, For me, certainly, it's the balancing between what's been said and then the context it was said in at the time and then how that can be related to uh, the culture as it stands today. And I think that that song, for me, when I read the lyrics, uh, was basically just trying to make people think about how things are interpreted.
0: Their Throats Are Open Tombs often brings up the topic about the faith of Christians. Here's a tough one, maybe. Are there levels of faith and how much faith is enough
1: oh wow okay Um, well I would say any amount of faith is enough um, as long as you then do something constructive and something right with it Um, you know keeping your perspective correct and as a Christian combining it with the obedience that you feel that God may be putting upon you at that time to do um, whatever you've been tasked to do with that faith that you have and um, you know as it says in, uh, in James faith without works is dead so you know have your faith that's awesome but make sure that you do something with it as well because you know you don't want to just end up being the sort of Christian or the or the sort of person that just kind of doesn't fulfill the potential that they could have and does the right thing uh with the faith that they have so I would have said that um, you know you can have as, as little faith as you need or, or or a lot but as long as you do the right thing with it and as long as you again I, I don't want to say the word stewardship again but as long as you, steward, you you're a good steward of the faith that you have um, then that's all you can ask for. Um, obviously, it would be easy to look at it and put levels on on faith in terms of like, oh, they've got a tiny bit of faith, they've got a massive bit of faith, but I, I don't think you can scale it like that because obviously um, some people will see themselves as having a lot of faith, whereas someone else might see that same person as having very little faith. So I think it's, it's about making sure that you hold on to your faith and then do something with it and not just be the sort of Christian that would just be like, oh, thoughts and prayers, actually then go and do some praying and go and do some thinking and then go and do some action off the back of it as well.
0: What a great answer. Can I pretend that that just came from me in case somebody (laughs) asks me that same question someday?
1: (laughs) If you want to, yeah, yeah.
0: Congratulations, you got it half right, coming again from the self-titled album. But now it's time to find out about the new album of Psalms and Snakes, along with the song Deluded. I guess we really need to get into of Psalms and Snakes, the latest album from Their Throats Are Open Tombs. It's odd how divided people are over that album. I mean, some people hate it, and there's others like myself who really adore it. Were you expecting that kind of response?
1: Um, I think we were just trying to, it sounds really cliché, but we were just trying to make something that the five of us were happy with. Uh, uh, Certainly when at the writing stage and the mixing stages, if I sent it to the other four guys and they sent back a thumbs up, I was like, wicked, cool. We've achieved what we need to achieve with that given song. And by the time we'd finished the album and I sent it to the guys and they were all just like, yeah, really happy with this. Everything's great. Then I was just like, you know, job done. Um, obviously I'd like people to like it. I'd like people to get something from it, but you know, you can't please everyone all the time. And I think some of the people that haven't liked it, that opinion is just as valid, obviously as someone who does like it a lot. And, um, it's nice to me that it's sort of not just being like, um, universally received like super well, because I think that good art should elicit a myriad of reactions and it has. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: just told them that they're wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously it is, you know, wounding to read a a review where your work that you've, you know, put a lot of effort into is just getting absolutely savaged. But, um, and I'd be completely lying if I said that, you know, when I have read interviews that they've just not liked it at all. I've just been like, yeah, but, you know, "Ah." but um, obviously everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, if you like it, wicked. If you don't like it, also fine but i hope you got something out of it through the process of engaging with it as well
0: but that must be a bit tough for you to take because like seriously chris this is your baby i mean you did a buttload of work on this album you did the engineering mixing mastering you know you produced it plus performed too was that a challenge
1: And. Um- Yes, it was. Although we're talking about something that was put together over a number of months, um, so it wasn't like I worked on it in concentration for like six to eight months or so. And there, there's a lot of downtime and peaks and troughs in uh, productivity within that time as well. Um, certainly, when it came to mixing and mastering it, that was that was a huge challenge because it's really it is difficult to try and view your own music uh, through the lens of a neutral person. I did go round in circles, remixing and mixing again and uh, doing a few passes at it just to make sure that it was as it was. And being the huge perfectionist that I am, there are certain things about it that I'll listen back to it now and go, you know, (laughs) I could, you know, I've just tried to sort of just let it sort of stand on its own two feet. And, you know, it's, uh, it is, it is quite a vulnerable process putting out a record, I guess, because then you do get, you put it out in the world and then people go, that's really awesome. And you're like, cool. And then some people will go, that was terrible. And you're like, but you know, I genuinely try to learn from any criticism I get as well. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely very challenging, but it was very rewarding as well, of course. And, um, I would like to hope that I've done it justice in terms of like, you know, it sounds as well as it could sound and it sounds not just as well as it could sound, but right for that collection of songs and how they're presented to people as well. Um, um, um.
0: album of Psalms and Snakes, it opens with this beautiful instrumental called, I think I'm saying this right, Nasunin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never would have thought about the music of Their Throats our Open Tunes as meditative, but that's how the song title translates. Why use that one as the first song?
1: Okay, so I was sequencing the album into the kind of like, to try and tell a story almost through the kind of subject matter of each of the songs as we went through, and then we were originally going to do like these, um, instrumentals, uh, kind of in a sort of, in the way that neurosis do, where they go into those random kind of bits of ambience in between lots of songs. Um, and that kind of like ties the whole thing together as one continuous piece of music. And I started working on that and then realized that it was going to be difficult to kind of cut that up and it would really break the flow. So that became the end of, um, the, uh, political expediency track at the end. I'd forgotten the title of my own songs there. Um, but- <laughs> that became that long ambient section at the end of that. And so when uh, when I'd sequenced all the album together, I was like, it needs something else at the beginning. So what I thought would be really cool in a sort of classical music sort of way to kind of do an overture that starts with the same kind of melodies and um, harmonic structures as the record closes with. So the, the harp sampling that happens at the end of political expediency is the same kind of melody but just played on a piano to open the record. And I wanted it to kind of be this sort of grand opening in the way of like those kind of symphonic metal bands, you know, certainly the, uh, the Swedish and like Finnish symphonic metal bands would do that. You know, imagine it's on that kind of record, um, just to sort of give it this really grand opening that's quite different to anything else. And also I quite like the fact of just subverting the listener into this kind of quiet sense of calm before they get hit with the first track proper as well. So yeah, that was it really. It was the last thing that was written for the album and I kind of just recorded it in an afternoon and just put it all together and and the other guys were like, yeah, that works, let's go. So there it is.
0: You know, what's interesting is that we keep talking about these as albums, and they are due to the number of songs that are on them. But really, lengthwise, I mean, most of them are even less than what you'd normally see on an EP. The band even has one song that I believe is eight seconds long. Even though you take it all the way to the song Political Expediency, it's six and three quarter minutes. What's with doing it that way?
1: Um, I think we just wanted to just kind of in the grindcore tradition, just try and uh, deal with them quickly. And in the initial stages of writing the first album, it was just because uh, I would come up with an idea and then record it immediately. And um, we, we kind of set out with this idea of just like not trying to overthink things too much. And then that led to very short songs. And then that kind of became our thing. So or as part of the sound. So we just we just continued with that. I kind of would liken it to how uh, Explosions in the Sky describe their music as like mini symphonies. And uh, I tried to go with that ethos a little bit here, but in a kind of more extreme, metally sort of way, in terms of like there's a lot going on. Yes, it is only a minute and a half, but there's loads going on in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically just trying to follow that kind of grindcore tradition where you'd get like you know thirty songs on on uh, one album. And certain song was directly referenced to uh, Napalm Death with "You Suffer," where we were like, if they can do it, we can do it. You know, lots of other grindcore bands have done it, and we were just like, yeah, let's just do that. And that's it, really.
0: I warned you that sometimes the songs of their throats are open tombs are short. Two songs adding up to less than 20 seconds. That was Spoiled for the Ordinary and Note to Self. It's really amazing the sources that the band draws song ideas from. Here Chris explains another of the new songs. Here's something that's different from most other grindcore bands because later on in the album, you bring in another song with another title that I had to translate. This time it was Swedish, not German. It came out as holy song. Would you consider your band's music as being holy?
1: Um, insofar that it's been uh, made by Christians with a Christian purpose, I guess, then potentially, um, I, I don't know. Um that song actually features a choir that uh, I recorded when I was on holiday in Germany. And uh, there was just like a um like an even song service going on. So I recorded a bit of the choir and then heavily, heavily manipulated it uh, and then featured it on that track. And that track was actually going to finish the record originally. And then we moved it up in the track listing. So um, yeah, I think, I think you could say it's holy music, but Obviously, if you went to describe to some people that it was holy music, they'd be like, oh my goodness, that's really not. But I do firmly believe that uh, you can find, you know, God's fingerprints in in all types of music, no matter how extreme it is, no matter how weird it is. So I guess from that point of view, I would say it is kind of, yeah. But you're not exactly going to sort of sing these songs on a Sunday morning either.
0: (laughs) No, I guess that's true too. Because what I've gotten out of the album is that here we are as people living behind a mask. Like, how we present ourselves is a facade. So, shouldn't we as Christians be totally honest?
1: Um, yes, I think so. But um, sometimes you can end up living behind a mask without even really being aware of it. I think that this is one of the things that bands like us do bring up, is that sometimes by making these songs and these these albums with these particular themes, it should hopefully make people think.
0: Oh, yeah. But remember that you guys are all cartoon characters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I couldn't resist, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, it's partly to do with the society we live in. It's just very, very easy to be like a fake version of yourself and have a persona of yourself like online, on, on Facebook and other social media. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily think that was our intention fully when we uh, set out to write the album in terms of um, highlighting how people are living behind like masks of varying degrees. But I definitely think that now you've mentioned it, it's something that definitely could come out of the lyrics for sure. And I do think that Christians should be totally honest uh, in in general in life. But um, as I said, sometimes you can slip into wearing these masks without even really realizing it. As I said, I'd like to think that our record would maybe challenge people to think about whether they are living under those masks, if that's the way that they want to interpret it.
0: something about of Psalms and Snakes is that it's all over the place I mean it's happy on Rejoice and Agnes Day and then switches to despair on Lament so is the band actually bipolar
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think uh, I think that's just uh, just as much a reflection of uh, the varied styles of music that we all listen to uh, and how How those things have uh, bled into our own music and how they've affected the creation of those songs, because in terms of those songs on the timeline of how the album was made, Agnes Day was one of the first things we put together because we wanted to cover a hymn because we were going to deal with some of the difficulties and issues that we saw in like CCM and um, other worship music that's around at the moment, which is addressed on other sets of lyrics on the album and then um rejoice and lament were actually written quite close to each other and um, dave who does the vocals on those he specifically wanted something that sounded you know lamentful and then sounded joyous so that was definitely a conscious decision to do those contrasts and um, lyrically they do contrast really well as well in terms of showing those different emotions and um I don't know if anyone's really fully picked up on it but the the melodies are the same on both of them except obviously on rejoice I've made them more happy and you know bigger. So yeah there's definitely a, <laughs> there's definitely an element of uh, certainly like bipolar music listening to our music for sure. Um, and <laughs> I mean I guess that's also reflected on like the breakdowns on um statement of intent. Uh, I was like We should add something different here and kind of chariotee sort of uh, potentially in terms of like just something random that's come out of nowhere that you're not expecting it. And originally that sounded a lot more bluegrass in the middle there. So, yeah, that there's definitely elements of bipolarism across the album.
0: of songs from the new album of Psalms and Snakes. We heard Rejoice, Lament, and Agnes Day. I always enjoy an artist or band that doesn't fit the typical definition of a Christian band. That's obviously the case with their throats or open tombs. They enjoy stretching boundaries. The releases you've heard tonight are both available on their Bandcamp page, so be sure and go and get those. I'm not sure if your church sings hymns. Mine does occasionally. Because next week, I'll bring in a series of hymns that give a different or louder sound as we hear hymns covered by several rock, metal, and punk artists. So be sure to listen in. This is going to be unusual. Chris Davis of Their Throats Are Open Tombs comes back for the final part of our talk and shares the song, Statement of Intent. See you next time. Well, you brought it up, and I wanted to ask about that, too. Statement of intent. The song speaks about being unworthy of God, but wanting to be attentive to him. Is that the overriding message of Their Throats Are Open Tombs?
1: Um, I I guess it's definitely one of the messages that's come up in the course of us writing these two records. Um, I don't think it was necessarily something that we've consciously sat down and thought, here's a theme that we're going to put out there. But as with, the, as with the question about whether our music's holy or not, um, I think it's something that's just kind of evolved uh, with, the, with the lyrics and with the creation of this music. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, that that's definitely a message that's come out, but it wasn't necessarily anything that we set out to make a point about particularly.
0: Thanks for joining The Antidote, Chris, and filling us in on the music of The Throats Are Open Tombs. Man, it's been a
1: pleasure. It certainly has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Dave.